Welcome to another edition of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. I'm Matt Sanzala, and this is the podcast in which I talk to my friends, and I've got one of my oldest, dearest friends here in the house today, in the cottage, wherever we are. I'm not sure exactly. Beautiful. We're just uh, down the street from his hood. DJ Chill is in the house. What's up, brother? Man, fantastic, fantastic, y'all. Um, it's a pleasure and an honor to be able to do this, which we were supposed to have been doing this a long time ago. but Well, we were doing it a long time ago every week. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> for real, yeah. When you think about uh, Damage Control, which was a show we did together for a long time, and you still are a part of, at KPFT in Houston, I mean, our show was a podcast. Pretty much. Pretty much every week, every Wednesday night. for well, what? I mean, it was a two hours? Uh, three. three. Twelve hours. to three. Yeah, three hours. And we would have guests throughout the whole show talking, a lot of real talk, and we play the music, and... Basically, this is before podcasts were a thing, at least that we knew of. Yeah, um, I mean, three hours. It, didn't, it 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 seems like a short time, but you know, when we was doing it, it, it wasn't. It was man, hmm, three hours. Yeah, no, it was a lot to fill, but we didn't really have a problem with it because we had the whole city on our side coming down here in Houston Wednesday nights, midnight to three. Yep, yep, yep. At a little house in the Montrose. I gotta say, when um you when you invited me to the show, um, I had no idea that it was gonna be going on for twenty years. Twenty one now. Twenty one years, yeah. And you and Skylar Zeke held it down. Um, so I I just when I when I first did it, the show, I just saw opportunity opportunity after that. Um, I said, man, let me let me try let me try it again. Um. Got back in town. I think at the time I was DJing for Flip. It was two thousand two. Right. My was mic, it? my mic's going in and out. Man, I think they can hear the AC behind you. Your mic is working. Okay. You sound fine. All right. If you want to, yeah, that's fine. Thank you. The uh, started in May of two thousand two. Damage control on KPFT. Basically, there was a big change in uh, the station, and they were looking for more diverse programming. And I had been on KPFT in the early nineties. With Rad Richard, GT Main, DJ Cypher, Baby Gramps, and all those guys. And uh, I had just moved back from Chicago, and I said, I'm going to make one of my goals to get back on the radio in Houston because it came back to Houston because of how crazy things were going down here. The music was just really exploding. Mm-hmm. Talk about a little flip and people like that. It was like that was that was uh, the beginnings for the rest of the world. So they were already hitting and happening down here. Right. And it was just starting to really you know, spread outside of the South at that moment. I think um, a lot to do with that was the internet. Yeah, I mean, that was what the beautiful thing with KPFT was. We came in in the beginnings of internet radio. So if you remember, we would have our AOL Instant Messenger open. We'd have the <laughs> Screw Shop open. We'd have yep. Chameleonair.com open. All the message boards and stuff live during the show. And that's how we communicated right. with people all over. Right. And brought the music <clears throat> to, you know, different people which was a lot of fun. And we're talking about a radio show we used to do back. I was there 2002 to 2008. I started it with a brother named Zen. May he rest in peace. Yes. And uh, also JD, who also passed. May he rest in peace. And the way that show started was, at first, well, Zen and I came up with the concept and the name and stuff. And then uh, JD wanted to be a part of it, but he quickly realized that... um, he couldn't DJ every Wednesday night from midnight to three. So the concept became, let's have a different guest DJ every week. 
and it would be different styles. It could be DJ Cosmos, it could be DJ Chill, it could be anybody. And uh, playing down south music, whatever they wanted. Scratch DJs, we had facts, Fast Forward and The Truth, Bobby Trill and Data, who all of them are still around doing things. Mm-hmm. When they were kid <clears throat> kids doing a whole scratch set. And uh, I quickly realized that Chill was, you know, you were in the clubs. Yeah. You were in the streets. You were out there doing a lot, like hustling like a Houston DJ should. And uh, <clears throat> I was like, man, Chill's bringing so much to the table, man. We need to just bring in Chill. I I I think that um, I was I was pretty consistent because I was like, man, I can I can I do it again? I was like, hey, can I do it again? <laughs> well, not just that, you brought groups down. Yeah, and you told them about it on Sunday night at at uh, Max's or Connections or yeah, Connections. I also made some flyers too. You did, yeah. Uh, I, I used to go to. Um, I had a friend of mine that, that um, had a printer over at the um, at the school, and I go get paper and I um, print out flyers. And my cousin Bam, he made the, the graphics, and I just knew that it was. We just did it hand by hand, just giving out flyers at the club. Hey, listen to me, this here. Listen, listen, listen. And um, I just knew there was an opportunity, man. I, that's, that was that was the main thing, the opportunity, and I I thank God that you're able to had the platform for me to have an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have Twitter and all that stuff. Facebook came along early on, and it and MySpace was around, but even MySpace wasn't the same as like quote unquote social media, mm-hmm. you know, where you could just really reach, reach, which I think was even better because we were able to target people on these message boards and on these little formats that were actually looking for this type of music, right, or were open to it. You know, independent, underground, down south, you know, across the board. And then it was it was it was an opportunity for a person that that maybe couldn't get on any other radio station, and they wanted to hear the, the record. Mm-hmm. They could say, "Hey, man, I got this record," and I would say, "Hey, come on, bring it up." And then I mean, it was so many people coming up there. Like you said, it was like a party. Um, people were coming from after the club before they go to the club. I mean, they was waiting on waiting in line to um, want to come get on the radio. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of slack for that, too. So, <laughs> No, we had a lot of, we had to control, uh, I mean, well, we called it damage control. I was on the phone with Zen trying to think of a name for the show, and it's not my my strongest trait. It's not that easy, you know, and I said, well, look, you know, I was thinking about damage control. Like, we think about we're controlling the damage done by commercial radio and mm. all these formats that, you know, the magazines that are all pay-to-play. All pay to get into these things. There's none of it's real. We want we can open the door to Houston, and be this independent sort of just outlet, and actually be independent and not charge people and not do all that stuff. And I said maybe we could call it damage control, and then just said let's call it damage control, and that was it. It definitely it definitely fit because it was uh, people still to this day. Like when I was I did a um, party with my cousin this past weekend. And they was like, man, you, you, y'all still got that radio station going on? You're still going on? And, yeah, people still be surprised to hear that it's still on the air. Mm-hmm. Well, that used to make me mad because they'd ask us that back early on. And, you know, you still doing the radio? I'm like, are you still not listening <laughs> to the show? <laughs> but Basically. Yeah, you know. But, I mean, back then we had uh, everybody from Bun B. Chameleon Air was on the first show ever. Getting this noise again, you hear it? Yeah, what is that? Dang, it is what it is. We'll we'll get through it. It goes yeah. away. When I did the first second talk so reels with Sully Williams, and we were way out we were out in uh the country mm-hmm. in uh Luling. Okay. 
and literally a fruit fly got on the mic. <laughs> no, a fruit fly got into the microphone. He's and, it just, and it was so loud. We were sitting like, what is this? Is this buzzing? Yeah, bad. <laughs> it was, uh, no, that was crazy. We were, we were out there. We're out there right now. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was crazy. But I want to talk more about, let's get into a little more history of you because I met you first when we were at the radio, the big radio station here in town, mm-hmm. driving the van around doing promotions at the box. I'll say it, even though I don't like to say it. <laughs> and uh, we were doing, we were the box posse doing promotions like the first year of the box. Yeah. Like literally the first year when they first started. And I got in there because I had a job with an accountant just doing regular, just nothing in that building in 6420 Richmond. <clears throat> and I had heard of the box on the radio and I went in, I was walking in my office. I just looked, it was like an atrium, you know, the atrium yep. style building. Yep. Yep. And I looked up and I saw the big 97.9, the, the box banner on the top floor. Mm-hmm. And so I just walked up one day, went to the receptionist and said, Hey, if you guys need anything, interns or help here, I'm, I'm here. I'd love to do something. And he, they, so they took me right to Michelle. Yeah. The promotions so, director. Michelle and uh and Robert Scorpio and then we're like, Oh, you wanna do promotions? Yeah, blah 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 blah. They put us in and I always say that's I already knew I've been in Houston for a while, but we drove that van from Conroe to Galveston and from Katy to Baytown like every other day. Yeah. I um we covered this whole city <laughs> like crazy. We were at everything. Yeah, I um I came in um the summer of ninety one. Yep. Um I met I met uh, Robert Scorpio and Michelle over at um, Club. Um, it's off. It's off OST and Griggs. Um, New Jack? No, nah, it wasn't New Jack. New Jack was the out house. Um, yeah. uh, golly, um, it's right right across from Palm Center. Um, I can't remember that thing and name of that club because me and Screw played it. Played there. Right out there as well. I was gonna say I don't. I should remember the name of that because I that was the only time I never knew Screw at all. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that in a second with you, you, you and his relationship. But I never knew him at all. But I did go one night to a venue where he was DJing, mm-hmm. and I was with Will Strickland. Mm-hmm. He brought him some records or something. Yeah, and uh, I remember it's not like he. It wasn't like a big slowed down party or anything. No, no, it wasn't. No. He was DJing, but yeah. the crowd was. What's in some that? chairs, yeah. <laughs> leaning against the wall. <laughs> what was the name of that club? I got it. I got it. I got to think of the name of that club. But anyways, um, mm. I was. I came in there with my. It wasn't Club Honey for the Bees. No, <laughs> it was. I came in there with my my graduation robe on that Man. night. Yeah, I was just coming from the party. Well, I was going to the party, and that was the party for me. And I was like, man, um, you know, how can I? How can I? Um, how can I do this? I mean, I, I DJ. How can I do this? And um, Michelle gave me the address um, with this 2420 um, um, Richmond. Richmond. And she was, I was, that was the start of everything right there. I mean, I was there so much, I didn't even, I didn't even go home. I was there so much, man. Oh. And it's funny because there's a guy there also called Chili Chill mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But those days it was Golden Boy, Walter D. Golden Boy might have been a little later. No, he was a little later, yeah. A little later, yeah. 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 Well, the, um, everybody was there. Ridge in effect. Ridge in effect. Um, it's a couple, um, the comedian guy. He was real funny. I forgot his name. Um, 
I can't uh Jamin J Jamin J uh Lamont. Lamont, yeah. Jay Lamont. That's Jay right. Lamont. <laughs> No, we were everywhere. All the clubs, all the events. They were, we were giving out T-shirts at the car wash, mm-hmm. like just in the streets, nonstop. Yeah, I remember times we had that we was battling against um, uh, Magic One Hundred Two, and mm-hmm. um, and also that um, the rap he had that FM AM rap station. Well, fifteen ninety raps was part of Magic One Hundred Two. Yeah, yeah, with Babyface. That's when um, Jamie Jimmy Olsen was trying to get Babyface to go against. Um, Everywhere we went, he would they would kind of creep up and trying to smash all the events or whatever. Yeah, I remember like, one event, <clears throat> and I don't know the exact inside details, but I was there at the at the box during the day, and it was too short. With supposed to be, I guess, too short, too much trouble, and a couple other people performing at the underground on the northwest side. And we were at the station, knowing that too short hadn't got on his plane, mm. and. And back then it wasn't like we had cell phones either. This was hard. You know, getting the information was not easy. And it turned out there was someone from the other station or a promoter involved with them mm-hmm. that kind of outbid or did something to make it not happen. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be on the van duty that night for that show. And I was like, God, I hope he shows up. <clears throat> and the whole show goes on. Place is packed, of course. And uh, 2 a.m., we're sorry, too short. No, they in the whole night they're yelling, too short, just in the house, too short, too short. And then at 2 a.m., we're sorry. And it wasn't a riot, but it was a mess. It was, it was a mess. It was a mess getting out of there. It was crazy. Those parking lots went crazy. You used to DJ at Boomerang. Right. Boomerang, yeah. I never had a problem at any club. I never had a problem at Boomerang, but that was the only place that I was always really watching, <laughs> watching myself. <laughs> Man, that was a historical spot. That was a historical spot. Um, that was Southside. Yeah, sixteen and Cullen. Mm-hmm. And um, so before it was Boomerang, it was called Soka Village. That's right. And um, they was doing live broadcast there with the box. <clears throat> and um, Screw and I started playing there when it was Soka Village. And then um, so once they transitioned to the Boomerang, that's when he said, hey, "I'm." I'm just going to stay at home do the mixtapes and that was a that was a um critical time in my life too because like we was a team and you used to share turntables yeah yeah we was, we was a, pretty much a team because like i didn't know how to i mean i know how to play records i didn't know how to, i didn't know how to per se mix like i needed to in order to uh like he did mm-hmm. to you know for the, the transitions and all that i just knew how to pick records i know i knew how to select records and um like I said, when that when that when that happened, it was like I said, it was a, a um a really serious time in my life because I had, I just had a um, my son was just getting ready to be born, and that little money that we was making it made sense. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, um, I working at the record store too. So which record store? Um, at that time, I was working at Daryl Scott. Okay. Yeah, at the time I was working at Daryl Scott, and um. Uh, so that was like, man, that was like, man, what am I gonna do? Like, and I, I remember him going into the room, and he was like, man, you know, you're gonna, you got to, you got to learn this. You got to learn how to um, count the beats. You got to learn how to, um, you know, keep the transition going. And he put, he gave me two records, and had the BPMs on there, and then I just had to go from that record to. the, Couple of records, I just had to practice. I had to learn. I had to actually get me a um, a beat counter. 
I went and bought me a little small uh, beat counter. Mm-hmm. And uh, hold on a second. Yeah, my wife, man. I was like, I got to answer the phone. She got. Yeah, I see. Alright, so um, so when when that happened, I got I had to go get a um a beat counter, and I learned how to um count the beats and and um get the records together to where I can have some smooth transitions and and after that I was just on my way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it was very important because like I said, he was I was more of the MC and DJ, and he was more just a straight DJ. Right. So uh, I remember I remember times we would go do parties together. Um, so when, when it was at the box, mm-hmm. I would answer. You know, we, we we could go in and answer the phone sometimes. Yep. So I was answering the phone for a couple of DJs, and when somebody come in for call in for a party, I would write the number down and call them back afterwards. Say, hey, when you need a a, a, um, a DJ for your party for the box. <laughs> That's so, used to. So I, we wasn't supposed to do that, but we and it caught up was later on. But um, we would go and do parties mm-hmm. and take a a, um, a nice and on the box banner with us and set it up, and we would go do parties and uh, we would act like you know we was gonna be live on the radio. We'll, so on the, on a mixer, we had, <laughs> so you should see these kids, man. They would, they were like, I would tell Screw man. Turn that knob right there. We are gonna act like we going on the radio in about in five minutes. Mm-hmm. So he would he would he would act like he turned his knob, and I tell everybody, hey, at the counter at the counter um at the counter three, I'm say nice and out of the box, and they hit these, and he's I say you ready? All right, one, two, three, and everybody got it. Sound loud of man. <laughs> and these kids was going crazy. Man, no, that's fucking, that's <laughs> hilarious, and that's there was no reference for they wouldn't have any way to know if it was on or not. <laughs> No, no, no. We did that a couple of times at a couple of schools until they um they told us to stop. But yeah, that was that was kind of funny. That was funny. Yeah. Those were the days, man. I remember um I went to uh LA and did a thing with Too Short at a Scion music conference and I got Scion. to do an interview with Too Short. I've got it on my SoundCloud where we talked about back in the day and things, and he's like, Man, the craziest show I ever did was in the early 90s in, Gal- in Galveston at like a convention center. It was too short in the Ghetto Boys. Okay. Were you at that yeah. one? Because I, I, I definitely, that, I definitely that, took that the box band to that one. That was like a, a um a cap. That was a capo moment. It definitely was not Kappa Beach Party. That was a capo moment because but you don't think it was a capo moment? It was not the beach party. It was just a, a Saturday night. Hmm, somebody must right. somebody just probably um somebody booked it because there was also a Chub Rock and MC Breed. Oh wow! Show down there that we went to. Okay. And then there were of course openers. Les Money was on one of them. Wow. He said Les Money. Uh, I can Jeez. see it. Black Monks. I think were on the, that one maybe with the Ghetto Boys and Too Short. From what I remember, I could be wrong. He said that's one of the wildest ones he went to. I could be wrong, but Too Short actually brought that up. Mm. Probably didn't even know I was from Texas. <laughs> And uh, I was like, man, that was a wild ass show. <laughs> he was like, you was there? Yeah. I was like, I was actually there. And I feel like that might, that was one of Damo's early sh- shows with the Ghetto Boys. Okay. For sure. Okay. That's, I, mean, I, I met Damo at the club, um, at the same club that I, when I um, when I met Michelle. I can't remember that doggone club, man. I got it. Because he was on the radio early on, too. Yep. Yep. And Wiz. And Wiz, yeah, shout out to Wiz. 
Um, Peter Parker. Peter Parker sure was. It was it was a number of them. Mm-hmm. They got they got they break on the box with the with the mix shows. Got a break, but the, some of them started out with Kids Jam, which is right amazing. Yeah, and Kids Jam been going on longer than um, anything. Anything. <laughs> that still, reunion though, still going on. When they did that five hour reunion last Ooh, year or whatever it was, I listened man. to the whole thing. I was I was in Austin, so I didn't get to come down. I found the out about energy. it like the day before. It was amazing. I listened to the whole thing, and no one recorded it. Nobody recorded it. Nobody recorded it. <sighs> That was a historic day. I was listening. I was listening to the whole five hours. Like this is amazing. Man, we was not crying because we was so happy and and remembering all the different records and the different moments that records were um were made and who played this and where and yeah, it was yeah, it was a wild moment. A friend of mine I turned on to and uh to the sh- I was like, there's a guy in New York who's really an archivist. He's he's into music. He loves you know collects tapes, collects all this stuff, and he's like. It, this is exactly what I want to do on a Saturday afternoon. Listen to sixty-year-old dudes from Houston playing Kraftwerk <laughs> records because they were. They opened it up with all the real old school, and, and they were playing Kraftwerk and all. The, it was insane how that day went. I had no idea how live that was going to be. It was a lot. Yeah, it was. It was man. It was fantastic. I had it on the entire time for real, and you like didn't record hours. it. I mean, I had it on my tablet, just listening on my speaker. That's Jeez. all you know. I wish, man. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody just yeah showed up. It was it was it was room for more. Yeah, definitely room for more. So those early days though with DJ Screw, how did you and Screw meet? We met. Um, so I was I was DJing for um, a group. Um, we're actually like two guys, and um, I wanted to learn how to scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, said, I was still I was DJing, but I was like I said I was playing records and. Trying to, you know, you know, I wasn't taught, taught, so I was like self-taught to do do mm-hmm. what I was doing, and um, and screw and um, screw cousin, um, knew it was like a friend of a friend, so um, Al, okay, matter well, matter of fact, the guy I was DJing for they rap with Al D, okay, and Al D knew screw, so. They back then we had the three way on the phone, mm-hmm. so he called up Screw, and I was telling him, "Hey man, I want to know how to scratch this that, and the other," and um, we, we kept communicating like that. And then um, I had a, I was able to get a car, and I went to his house. Matter of fact, not too far from here, off a telephone, and that's when everything started. It's, mm-hmm. That was back in like um, it's like eighty, eighty five, eighty six, something like that. And um, neither one of us um, knew that what we was doing was going to be as um, crazy as it, it, it turned out to be. Um, but it was just for the love of the music. We're like, we didn't, I mean, it was times that we was getting $50 a night, you know. And uh, back then, that was a lot of money for us. That was us. good, yeah. <laughs> Compared to these guys making millions. But... Um, so yeah, man, it was uh, we would go record hunting a lot over for um, Richmond at some of the record stores over there. Um, we, we was getting records and we didn't even know what, what was on the records. We were just getting records because the cover looked cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew you know something over the name, or we would ask the guy that was at the record store, "Hey, what you think about this record right here?" And um, then we, especially Soundways on South Main, we would, that would be one of our. Um, Spots. That was the spot. Yeah. For vinyl, um, especially. 
yeah, we would have to catch the bus there or get somebody to take us. Mm-hmm. Um, when I didn't have a car, uh, we was coming not too far from here. We used to go to one on on uh, Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, stick, stick horse. horse, yeah, stick horse, exactly. Um, then, then we start like so. By by that time, after I after graduated, going into the box, we would go. Get, I would get records from the box, and I and I wouldn't just get records for myself. I would get records for him as well. And um, then we would hook up with the the record pools like Steve Funyay and and um, Will and Lump, you know. Mm-hmm. Then, but anytime I had opportunity to do something, I made sure that I brought him into the situation. And um, that remind me of like you, you know what I'm saying? When anytime you had opportunity to do something, you would say, "Hey man, what about you know? Would you like to be involved?" And that's how it's supposed to mm-hmm. you know, go. And that's how it went with me and him, like. Um, when he was having trouble at home, I was like, hey, man, uh, you know, come out here. Or how can I help, you know? And same thing with him. If I needed a place to go or needed something to do, like, you know, I was always, he was, arms already open, you know? Um, when I when I spoke at his funeral, man, I, I said he was a, a friend's friend. And um, that 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 still stick with me, you know. What I mean, that, that reminds me of you. You know, you 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 are definitely a friend's friend, and that's how um, it should be. So it does, and he really was in on the time of this music and culture being so organic. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was you know you're able to do that even more so than you still can now. But back then, it was so everybody in the world was not a DJ. Nah, everybody wasn't <laughs> rapping. <laughs> nah. It wasn't oversaturated. You couldn't just post something online that wasn't true. Yeah. You know what I mean? You had to like pretty much know if you knew, you knew. Yeah. It's, it was so crazy. <laughs> I, I got to say this. Um, he was doing things with records that people are doing now with computers. You know yeah, what I'm of course. For multi-tracking. Um, I mean, just uh, he makes some crazy, crazy tapes that people – would hear certain records, certain part of the record over here and this speaker and a whole another piece of back here. It was like this like this he was called like a gumble mix. And the phase. Yeah. And um he would use a four track, he would use um multi multi track recorders. He just it was just very creative with mm-hmm. it. And um that was that's that's another thing that a lot of people didn't know that he was doing straight analog. But then mm-hmm. when it got to going to do the the mixtapes with the like the three in the mornings and all that, when he got to a, a multi track recorder in the studio, oh that was oh that's that's the cream of the crop right there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he was self self taught a lot. But even then, in. the multi track was analog. Yes. Yeah, it was the tape. <laughs> yes, three inch. Yep. Yeah, three inch reels. And um, yeah, even then, so um, that's what. Like damage control was about, and same thing with screw. Like, and and even when I was playing the records in the club, that we would give the underdog a shot, you know. But back then, everybody was pretty much underdog. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, you had a couple of them that made it to mainstream, and then you still had the ones that was climbing up, like the um, like the shorts and um, and the UGKs, and you know, and all these um, other guys that that came right behind him. So. So you were you're from the south side of Houston. Were the battles between like K Reno and Gangsta Nip and that, was that something you were witness to or was that something you knew about? 
um, so, so it was a crazy. Um, uh, Kay Reno and I went to school together. Yeah, we went, with, we went to um, Sterling, and I didn't know I didn't know Nip until later on, but um, and also um, Kay Reno and my cousin my cousin was Kay Reno's rap partner back then when they put the first put out the pr- first okay. project, and I knew of them having like battles for other people, but I never know the the battle between him and um, Okay. Well I was just wondering if this was yeah. something that was like all the kids ran to the corner to see this oh, no. was happening. But they but you did have rap battles in yeah. school. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Um like especially like uh early on that And the first K Reno was the real chill, wasn't it? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's crazy. And um they were they somebody could learn how to beatbox and then I would say you had a beatbox going on, and then somebody start rapping, and everybody running over to listen to what they what they got to say. It was more ranking too, ranking beatboxing, ranking and ranking and rapping type deal. And people don't know that really about Houston unless you really know that it started out with battles. Yeah, and I've talked to people like Steve Fournier and stuff who had the Rhinestone Wrangler that had straight up battle nights. And he said, man, some of those groups that come in from California and all this before there was actually a gangster rap scene and yeah. gangster rap, and they'd see how aggressive some of these Houston guys were <laughs> and took that back home. Man, I my first rap concert that was, it was it was actually the Ghetto Boys at Funger and Superskate. Wow. Yeah, Funger and Superskate. Was it Face, Willie D, and Bushwick or the originals? Uh it was Face, Woody D, and Bushman. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, MC Breed. Wow. Yeah, MC Breed. Yeah, ain't no feature in your front. Because he was signed to Ichabum Records, and then because um, the the record company was in Houston. Mm-hmm. Dow, it was Dow Gates, I think it was his name. It was, it had the record company. His, uh, I don't remember the name of Ichabon. Yeah. Mm. He was, oh no, he was distributed by Ichabon. Because Ichabon was a big, yeah. big, big, big distributor, but the guys that um, that signed MC Breed was from Houston. Okay, yeah, that song was definitely hitting in Houston. Yeah, man, it was huge. Ain't no future in your front. Oof. I saw him a few times, including that time in Galveston with Chub Rock. Yeah, Chub Rock was another one that was always here. Yeah, and um, it's another uh, Kwame. Yep, Kwame. I, I saw Kwame came to the skating ring. I mean, those shows were legendary. If you think about, like, we talk about, you know, Too Short and things happening in Boomerang and stuff. This was before, I always say separate between, because there's the clubs in Houston, especially back then, were very segregated. Mm. There was oh, the, yeah. There was the Hispanic oh, yeah. clubs, there was black oh, clubs, yeah. there was white clubs, there was this <laughs> and that. But the hip-hop oh, yeah. from any of those people, hip-hop was not, I always separated between the nightclubs and the yeah. live music venues. Yeah. And the live music venues didn't start booking hip hop till maybe 92, 93. Yeah, yeah, 90, maybe yeah, 92. Exactly. And those clubs were, I remember the first Blues. one I probably saw was <laughs> the, the Vatican on Washington Avenue brought Ice T. Word. That was the first time I saw Ice T in like a, a venue with a real sound system and the big stage and like you know because the nightclubs were more for dance parties yeah, they, they, and, and the rap show was the secondary part of the night. JB Entertainment, JB's Entertainment Center mm-hmm. did. Um, that's when I heard of, 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 of a big rap show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was too young to go, but it was um, JB's Entertainment Center. Um, I was about to say too that I couldn't. 
like like I had my, that that birthday party, those concerts from like Kwame. I was like 16, 15, 16 years old watching Kwame. Mm-hmm. So Hell yeah. That was <laughs> Well, I moved to Houston when I was 17, but I've been coming here since I was 8. My father okay. moved here in 1980 and I came here in 89 for good for a while, a long time. And right. uh I always tell people when I first got here like I had I didn't really have friends. I just came here in the summer and bought records. And if I went to a show, my dad would drop me off. Like, hello, like Fitzgeralds or something. Yeah, Fitz, yeah. You know, a punk show or something, and that would be about I didn't, it. I didn't go to Fitzgeralds until until um, Damage Control. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, but that was for me. I'd get like the public news, and I didn't know what was going on in like the black music community necessarily because I didn't, you know. I definitely heard Magic 102, but I think it was the box that really kind of opened things up radio-wise to when you turn on. So my point is you would find out about shows back then, the rap music shows, the black music shows. Yeah. You found out on the radio. On, on Magic 102. And most of the time, yeah. you found out what was going on on Friday and Saturday yep. on Thursday. They was, at the it, earliest. Yeah, because they was doing a live broadcast. They was right. going actually to the radio station. But they would start the announcing club. the commercials for what was happening at all the clubs yeah. on Friday and Saturday. It'd probably be on Thursday. It would be the first you'd hear about it, and then you'd play on your weekend. Yeah. And when yeah. I first got here, like I said, I didn't know anybody. Shit. And uh, before this is before getting with the box and all that, and I would hear all these epic lineups at the Palladium <laughs> and all these venues. So, you know, and Gucci. I'd be like, oh, man. Yeah, I need and, all that. and one night, I finally said, I can't miss this again. I can't. <laughs> And my first show was the Ghetto Boys at the Palladium. Wow. And uh, first show in Houston, like rap show like that. And I was like, I got to go. And I went by myself and I was like, I don't know what this is going to be like. <laughs> to me, the Palladium, I know it's not Fifth Ward, but it was North. So to me, yeah. I was like, I'm going to Fifth Ward. Yeah. I don't know what this is going to be like. And of course, they're on the radio like, it's going down right now. And I got there probably at 930. <laughs> like, but not only the only white dude there, but the only dude there. <laughs> standing there like uh and i couldn't drink i was 17 yeah but they still let me in and then i look up at the stage and there's a white dude in a tuxedo yeah. with a mullet going crazy <laughs> steve fournier running everything yeah, and then the whole club was just crunk and i'm standing there until literally two mm. and the show starts oh for real i mean most of the time at the palladium and places like that it's two o'clock o'clock that's when the rappers would come on they, they'd take you there to the last drink yeah how many shows have you been to at those clubs where they performed with the lights on? <laughs> Back then? Yeah. They'd have the lights on. Police would be coming in the front door like, we got to clear this out. And the guys would be like, sorry, y'all. We only got to do two songs. <laughs> exactly. Like, Damn it. You know? So then later I became, I would go to like the Axiom to like a punk rock show or whatever show. Mm. And then, you know, too short or somebody would be at one of the clubs up north and we'd take off at one. Wow. And go see that. King T. King T. I was stoked to hear King T come back to the kids' jam reunion. Yeah. Because um, we used to hear him on the radio. So I used to, I used to go to kids' jam. I used to catch the bus to TSU on a Saturday morning. Um, my uncle, Myron Anderson, he used to be a, a disc jockey on KTSU. And I used to, like I say, catch the bus up there and and, um, and watch him through the window. Um, Lester saw Pace and, um, and all those guys, Steve. And I was like, man, I want to do that, man. I want what I got to do to intern. And so I would go up there and I would try to set in and figure out how I can get be a part of it. And um, and it, it was it was it was a little tight. And I was like, well, 
it was a little bit too tight. So I said, man, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing out here in the streets. And um, it worked out. I, I, I wanted to do it, but um, it just wasn't my call over there. But um, And, I mean, you were way younger then. Yeah. That's a college station. Yeah, yeah, but um, man, I made it. <laughs> I made it on the radio. Look, mine was here. So yeah, and you had mentioned in the beginning before Damage Control. There was a time when you were out on the road with Lil Flip, Tila. Yeah. yeah, my first my first tour um, came upon when I was uh, it was actually um, uh, Anzel Jennings. Man, thank you. For international opportunity, red. yeah, in international red, um, we was at Screw's funeral, and um, I was outside, and he he walked up to me, said, "Man, you you ready to hit the highway?" And I was like, "I said, what you mean?" He said, "Man, you know, you ready to start touring?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "Man, well, I got I got um, Tila, he's a DJ, and um, would you like to go?" I was like, "Heck yeah!" So I um. Right after the funeral, we had um, a big concert at um, so a club we had over. It was it was it was called Underground too. It was uh, right there, Fifty Nine and, and um, Fifty Nine and Bissonette, and um, we had Scarface in concert. After that, we was right on hit the highway right after that, and that was in '99. Mm. Yeah, '99. But um, then from 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 Tila. We had nine eleven. Well, nine eleven was two thousand one. Yeah, so, so I think yeah. Yeah, so I was I was I was still on tour with Tila at the time, okay. and um. Well, and Screw died in two thousand. Yeah. So if you got that opportunity, Screw. So funeral, it had to be had to be two thousand. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. My my dates are wrong. Yeah. So it had to be two thousand. Um. So. Right after. Right after that. Um. After nine eleven, that's when everything started going down for mm-hmm. us touring, and then um, after that, that's when the opportunity came with Flip. Yep. And I did um, went on tour, Flip, did that, and then we started Damage Control. Then after Flip, I started working with Rec Shop. Um, worked with Rec, Rec Shop for a while, and then the opportunity came with Bun. Went on the road with Bun for a little bit, then came back. Then that's when the opportunity came well with you for us going overseas. Mm-hmm. Polaroid. <laughs> Polaroid's going off. Then kept on going after that. So yep. um if y'all don't know, man, um Matt made it possible for me to go to I think we did nine countries. Yeah, at least. Yeah. I'm sure. Nine yeah. countries. Um I did uh eight tours from within all the different groups I was DJing for. Um, Hawk, Big Mo, Tila, um, I DJ for um, C-Note. Um, well, it's a number of people. And um, so, yeah, man, I did, did a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Was the first international to the Pop Montreal, Canada, with Bun and Rick and everybody went there? Is that, yeah, that was the first one. Pop, yeah, Pop Montreal. Because I remember we went, and it was me, you, and Rick. Yeah. We went early, and we went to a party. It was like 8-Track, and Scratch Master, <laughs> yeah. and all those guys were there. Yeah, that was the first one. That was Chromio. the first one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was. And then we then we wound up going and doing, a, um, me and Rick wound up going to a show by ourselves. 
Well, y'all went to Paris by yourself. No. And oh, yeah. Pop My Draw was with me and Rick. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. Went to Paris by ourselves. Yeah, you guys probably did a, a Dirty South night at Pop Montreal as well. Yeah. And, but the, I think Bun B was one of, you were there for the Bun B show, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's why I'm saying we had another show at another place. Yep. Um, then um, we did Bergen. Well, Norway, yeah, Oslo and Bergen yeah. in Norway. Um, Oslo, yeah, uh, Amsterdam, mm-hmm. London. He did a yo-yo party in London. Yeah, London. Yeah, with Seb uh, Chu. And Semtex <laughs> played on that show. Semtex, man. Um, and Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, then... Um, you went to Sweden by yourself. Sweden, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, Matt said, hey, man, um... OG Ron C can't go to Sweden, man. You want to go? I'm like, yeah. And I <laughs> yep. by myself, fourteen mm-hmm. hour flight by myself. It's crazy. Like, yeah, but they take care of you when you when you touch down over there. They they pick you up and you're you're taken care of. You don't have to worry about much. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I was <laughs> it was funny when I tell people that, man. They they wouldn't. But they they be like, huh? Like you went over there, like not knowing who's gonna pick you up. And then y'all drive another couple hours to like an island. Yeah, um, to another whole nother city, and you just walking around not knowing nobody. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you already you were that was the beginnings of your shirt business, I think. Too, yes, wasn't it? it was. You took shirts with you. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that, that was the beginning. Chill you know? tees. Yeah. So I had um, I had found the love of um. Printing T-shirts and um, <laughs> yeah, and then it yeah that was about like seventeen years ago. Yeah. Dang, <laughs> yeah, it was. Was it seventeen? It was seventeen it was at least. I mean, it was. Yeah, we were doing that stuff around. We were doing New York oh four oh five and yeah. Europe shortly thereafter yeah. around then. For so, sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Seventeen years ago. Yeah. So yeah, man, it's been on a fantastic ride. Remember the first time you went to New York? First time it was it was uh, Screw New York, Screw York City. That was the first time you went. Yeah, that was the first one. No, you didn't go before. No, I I did. Yes, I did. I went the first time with um Devin. You went with Devin. That's what I thought. That little spot. Yeah. And Nas and Kalisha. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You remember that? Rothko. Yeah. They stole all my all my CDs at the truck. They did. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't remember that. Damn. That's a good first experience in New York. That's pretty much how it is. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was that was that show. That was wild. That was in June. That was on. Uh, I think you showed me something where it made it into New York Times or something like that. It did. Yeah, all that stuff was getting super press. People mm-hmm. were excited, you know, to they never saw the down south artists really up there. And mm-hmm. I mean, Ghetto Boys had done stuff early on and some of the bigger names, but Houston right. Underground, you know, Devin kicked out a lot of doors. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. And, I mean, and I was telling a guy yesterday that, um, Devin was getting played over in Europe, mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying. We was walking in like stores, and it was getting played. His his music was being played inside the store. Yep. I was like, man, Universal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Roxy Cottontail for all the New York parties. She she really put it down for us up there, and we definitely had fun making an impact. I mean, the Screw York City show was crazy because it was you were there, the Grit Boys were there, mm-hmm. uh, Bun B hosted, and then it was Hawk. 
Lil O, yeah. ESG, and Lil Kiki. Yeah. All performing in New York at uh, Joe's Pub, another <laughs> Roxy Cottontail, Houston So Real. Joe's Land. Pub. Uh, what was the dude's name? Red, uh, another guy. There was one New York guy on there. He was dope. Hmm. God dang, I hate when I forget things. Uh, yeah, but that's crazy, though. That was a hell of a party. And that was a CMJ party, and that's how where I met the guy who runs Pop Montreal. He came up to me, Pop and that's Montreal. what started off things with us going up there every year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you you'd be amazed as to who I mean. It shows you how small the, uh, the world is. Remember when we did that that party? Uh, we was at a party in Paris, and um, what you call him from Third Ward was there. I wasn't in Paris. No, okay, no, no. The London one, no the surprise London. was there. That kid, no surprise. No surprise was yeah, there. that's what it was. Yeah. No surprise. Yeah. And yo yo. <laughs> you imagine that man? Yep. We all we we was in London, and he showed up at a party. And that, that showed, like I said, that showed you how small it is, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was crazy. We had made that connection with London with, I would say, with Dizzy Rascal. Mm-hmm. When he came over here, mm-hmm. and we did some of his first stuff. And uh, he came to Houston, recorded with the Grit Boys, hung out with uh, all of us running around Houston when yeah. he was first getting his name out there. Yeah, now nah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a legend. Diplo. Yeah, man, he used Diplo. to run around with Diplo back when <laughs> playing playing mangoes. <laughs> I remember we was we was at a, we was in New York, and he walked right past the window, and I'm like, man, that's crazy. Here I am, in New York, right here, and he walked right past the window. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's just a small. And we did that um, the Tanika show. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, we did when um, we did the the, the airplane hangar. That was South by Southwest. South by Southwest. MIA. Yeah, MIA Diplo. That would have been 0506. Jeez. And I know, like you were just saying, the Kanika show was on top of a, um, was that, was on top of a building, wasn't it? Oh, we had a club show and she did a roof party. Yeah, <laughs> roof Kanika party. And, and Mape from Sweden. Mape from Sweden. <laughs> yeah. Nobody would know that we was on top of a roof, a rooftop in yeah. New York City. Yeah. Jeez, I forgot yeah. how to buy that. The roof party, that was crazy. Yeah, that was dangerous as all outdoors. No. Yes, it was. Why? On, I'm being on top of a roof in New York. Yeah, walls. <laughs> it was fine. No, it was great. I can. You just brought it back. I didn't remember that offhand, but I can see it right now. I remember it really well. That was fun. You did a photo shoot at a, on, the, on top of a roof. Yep. Wow. Young Sam was there. Yep. yep. Young Sam's blown up. Yeah, he's doing real well. It's great. Well. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, Trade the truth and the clips. Trade at the knitting factory. Wow. Do you remember that show? Yes. Trade yeah. the, Babu Blake and, Blake's, the, and yes. the, great, the great boys. I think were on that one too. And Babu, I think, was on that one. Man, Babu. Babu. Jeez. Yeah. We 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 did a lot. A lot. We did more than the average for real. I mean, we had good partners and we had the doors open at the time. I mean, Houston was such an organic movement and it wasn't, it predated everybody being able to put their stuff out on the internet mm-hmm. and everybody being able to just flood everything with their same ass shit. <laughs> you know, and Houston sounded totally different. Houston was its own thing. When you first heard Houston, it was Houston. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You no, know? definitely was. And beyond, I mean, Screw, especially in Switcher House and the slowed down stuff, but beyond that, just all the 
the music here was just very Houston. And then when the people would come here and find out mm-hmm. what the, the hospitality levels down here and how nice it is actually, and how nice the people are and how much cheaper it is and the food <laughs> and the, you know what I mean? Like you could really function down here. Big time. Especially back then. Big time. I mean, even, even now it's still, it's still functional. You know oh, it's still better. I mean, living in Austin and, we are making, considering a big move soon. I'll talk about that later. I don't want to talk about things that aren't happening yet. Yeah. But, um, dude, going to like a Mexican restaurant here in Houston and eating food and it's still a civilized price. Going to in Austin, we go to an old hole in the wall we used to go to and be like, why is this $19? <laughs> are you serious? Yes. Oh, wow. No, it's a mess, man. Wow. It's a mess. I, I mean, like, I tell everybody, like, on the first, this is how you transition. Like, I was, when you was, Going to Austin for the South by Southwest, I was, a lot of people, I was sleeping in my car. You know what I'm saying? And then the next time I go, oh, we got a room over here. Then the next thing you know, you got a room and a pass. Then the next mm-hmm. thing you know, you got a room and a pass and some bread. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I, the opportunity, when the opportunity came, I was just, okay, let's go. You know, not knowing, like I said, the first time I told anybody, like the first time that you say, hey, let's go to Europe, we didn't know if we were going to have a place to stay or money. You know I what mean, I'm saying? It was, we had small money and apartments to stay in. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't great. No, no, y'all. Literally, I didn't know. <laughs> but, you know. He knew, but I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We worked it, but it was the opportunity. Yeah. You know, honestly, it was just the opportunity to to um, to um do it. You know what I mean? I, I tell anybody, man, I'm, 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 I said, y'all don't understand. Man, I'm from South Park, you know. To be able to have the opportunity to to travel and to do this, that, and the other, man, mm-hmm. I don't even understand. I mean, but that's how it works because look at Fat Tony now. He's he's going all over the world doing crazy shows and doing really well. I mean, not a millionaire, I'm sure, but doing well. Right. Doing great shows. He was just in London a couple of weeks ago and mm. a couple of shows in the UK a few weeks ago. He was in Toronto last week. He's always staying on the road, but he started out. Just like on that, that grind, staying on the couch. Just like that. You know, can I stay at your apartment? Can I sleep on the couch? Yeah. I'm going to do this show. I'm going to be, I'm going to make it there. I'm going to get on the Greyhound or whatever I have right. to do. Right. Fat know? Tony, man. And that's what separates a lot of different people and different artists and why people miss out on these opportunities. Like back when the, the Houston guys were blowing up and I was starting to take Devin over to Europe, you know, these guys weren't big in Europe, mm. but there were enough people to do 300 people or something in right. some of the major cities. We could have done it, but <clears throat> they had people. You know, money launderers or whoever at these venues doing giving them ten thousand a show. They're like, man, I'm not going over there for a thousand or two thousand. I'm like, well, when you're fifty, yeah. you're gonna see the difference. Oh yeah, <laughs> when oh, you can oh, still oh, go to Europe. Oh yeah. oh yeah, you can still go to Europe and get yeah. paid. And over here, everybody's laughing at you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Nowadays, though, it is better. The hip hop legacy has, has for a while there it was really bad for aging rap. Right. But now it's getting better. People are respecting the. Yeah, there's because we're older too. Yeah, but I mean, we're but, still fans. Yeah, but, but you still it's they are in other countries like they don't matter how old you are, you know, they, if they're a fan, they're a fan. There's you a know? different level of respect for the, the art and the culture, and you know it's because that they didn't grow up right in the middle of it, I guess. But mm. they, they learned about it, and when they learn about it, they really learn about it. Yeah, and I, I guess as with any any other um, culture, like they may not like. Like I'm in other other things, and I may not was there when that person was the hottest at their career, but I get a chance to learn about them. Then I get a chance to meet them. Right then, I'm like, oh wow, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like he was that, and I, and I got a chance to beat him right now. And that's how they are as well. Like, man, I was, I may have not been in South Park to know who he was, but I, I read about him, I heard about him, and now I got a chance to actually see him right now. So mm-hmm. that's like Devin, you know what I'm saying? Um, same situation. You know, uh, he was doing it before the weed culture got to where it's at now. And these young guys, they listen to him while they smoking weed, not knowing that I could have been, I, I wasn't there when he was doing it. Now I get a chance to see him right here in concert. So they, yep. they down with it. No, it's amazing. I mean, Shoe from Two Tech Music just brought uh, Coop MC from Fort Worth. He's what? over. In, he's just been over in Japan. Coop MC. Coop MC from Fort Worth. Jeez. He brought PKO a couple years ago, last year, <laughs> two, whatever. He brought PKO. PKO isn't getting a show in San Antonio, <laughs> where they're from. And I love PKO. I'm a big fan. I'm not saying they couldn't do a show there, but no, I'm saying they went to they Japan. Big. No, they were it, big yeah, back in the day, big. man. Yeah, PKO. And they were jamming. They wow. are jamming. They went. They went to to Japan just recently, and then Les and Lil Kiki and Bun and. <laughs> he's bringing people over there now it's like it's that's amazing. crazy mm-hmm. man that's amazing that's amazing well uh shh. that's my life no it's not let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> no i mean we can talk about what you got going on these days i ain't got much going on man hey. <laughs> you're still traveling I'm I'm still, still traveling. Yeah, I'm still traveling. Um, not as 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 I used to, but I'm traveling in a whole nother direction. So um, I'm thankful for that. Um, just also, man, getting the opportunity to go back to the radio station after it shut down is um is is big, and to be able to see you more, a little bit more is 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 even you know more exciting. Well, yesterday here in Houston. Uh, for those who don't know, KPFT, like everyone got shut down in 2020. But when that shutdown happened, they realized that that building had like ir- so much mold damage right. that it couldn't be repaired. Right. And right. Uh, they were, uh, what do you call it, pre-recording everything longer than a lot of stations were because of that. They couldn't go back in the building. And they got a new building over in Third Ward. And it's a, it's similar to the old one. It's got some of the old doors in there. It's really amazing to see. It's an older Houston house. The vibe is there. <clears throat> and uh, we went up just to see the new station and talk about possibly doing some things on KPFT again. Yeah, but it was it was man, it was um, it was eye opening to be able to see those doors and see some of the stuff that that was there mm-hmm. from the older station. And um and how much they you know it's it's a little bit more it's uh, it's a lot more up to date than it was it it may not be up to this level but it's it's a higher level than it was you know yep and the opportunity is still there as well for us on um, radio podcasts videos things like that so um and then it's also too that we I think it's time to go ahead and, and cultivate the next generation of damage control mm-hmm. or the next generation of um. Uh, journalists and teach the next generation what that station went through as far as racism and in the 70s when it first started the Ku Klux Klan bombed the transmitter you know we lost our window to the street when someone came in and shot up the front of the building somebody you know who didn't like their progressive politics you know like there was all kinds of crazy stuff that's happened there and in a city in Texas where having a station that open and free free speech radio 
is kind of crazy, and it's been going on for as long as we've been here. I think 1970, 71 or something it started. Wow. So. 50, 51 years ago, 52 years ago. Yeah, and uh, it's really a, a blessing that it's still here, but we'll see. We'll see what happens, man, if we can maybe bring something back to uh, KPFT. Damage control is still on, mostly with Sky Ladon right. on Thursday nights now, right? Thursday nights, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we we me and Matt we pop in every now and then. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it's, it's she's still kicking it. She still got it going on. Hopefully, um, she will, she'll be back in Houston and she'll be able to go up to the station and, and do it live as well. Yeah, hopefully, man, because that's that's the best doing it live, bringing the people together. That's the bomb. Well, I love having you down here, man. I'm down here with you. Actually, I came to Houston and I'm so glad I always connected to you. Yeah. Got a call. Got to check in. Oh, um, before I, before we shut down, I want to say um, thank you to you know, Matt. Thank you to everybody that um, um, Julie Beverly. Um, um, it's, it's so many people that were um, important to have uh, DJ Chill um, to do as much as that he that he did do. Um, so um, for all that that had a part in the the, the years and the travel and um, all their different experiences. Thank y'all. And um, still DJ Chill, Mr. I Run the Street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's his number one street DJ. Man, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd want that, t- that title anymore. Like, <laughs> I don't play none of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame me for whatever's going on right now. It ain't yeah, me. It wasn't me. Yeah. But you, I, when I, well, you know what's crazy? When I tell people, about different records that were started like it i I was like man i i don't want to it's like you want to tell them that how that record started but it's like you don't want to toot your horn to saying that you were a major part of that record being started but they don't understand that if if you had the type of clubs and the type of venues that that i was playing in at that time that's what started a record. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because if you got, if you have the same thing with damage control, if there was no other outlet that would give this artist a shot to keep on playing that Rose Records every week, it would never gotten as far as it went. Mm-hmm. It would have took a longer time because you still wait on the next person to give you a shot, and this person already giving you a shot right now. Yeah, breaking records in the club was a lot different back then. They didn't have Shazam. Mm-mm. You'd have to really shove it down their throats and get it on, get it into the club, get it into the radio, get it into the ta- on the tapes, into this. It was yeah. a much different process. Yeah, if you got a club that's holding it's a, a thousand people mm-hmm. every week, you know what I mean? That's that's just like being on the radio. You were doing those like Max's or yeah. Max's? Yeah, 1,500, 2,000. 2,000 yeah. on a Sunday. On a Sunday. And then turn around and play. Uh, I, I told a guy, man, I had... Um, from, from one day off, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I, I would go. I think that was it was like a, a Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, and but I would be playing these records all the week long for until whatever. So it's like me, yeah, like yeah. We had you know mystical when he first um, was on B Boy Records. You know what I mean? From um, so I mean it's just like. And they were like, huh? I said, yeah. 
like believe it man those those records wouldn't have been as as they are you know if it hadn't been for the opportunity to for them to be heard I was at a big boy record showcase in New Orleans for a little the cutting edge music conference in 95 <laughs> big mellow was there I was there Talking yeah, to Big Mellow. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's when they had Menace's, 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 what was it? What was the guy? Um, Menace Clatter from California. No. Um, big B-Boy Records signed, um, God dog, it got started M, but it was mystical and, uh, golly. I always forget, but people, you know, groups like UNLV and all that yeah. from New Orleans and that exactly, early yeah. stuff and the early bounce, yeah. crazy. The history, yeah. the history has to be kept alive. Yeah, I mean, because those records, um, Bad as Yellow Boy, that record was that that was really hit down in in Houston. Huge. <laughs> you know what I'm drag, saying? Just drag him in the river. Drag and then and that's where it went. Um, Morero, MC yep. Thick. Yep. You know what I'm saying? All those bust down, all those records. They they went from small town Louisiana to a big town Houston. Mm-hmm. They didn't go anywhere. They didn't they didn't start um, being circulated everywhere else. They started from from whatever they was at to Houston. No, for sure, Houston broke a lot more things <laughs> and started a lot more things than people realize, and it's Man. happened forever. Yeah, but anyways, I ain't gonna you go away long. But once Man. again, thank you, thank you, DJ Chill. Appreciate you coming down. If uh, you got friends out there. Tell a friend to tell a friend to listen to Talk So Real with Matt Sonzala available on all the podcast platforms and chill if they want to find you. And DJ Chill Houston on Instagram and uh, Facebook is uh, Chill Tees. Um, I do screen printing. I have a screen printing shop. Been doing like 17 years. Um, yeah, just DJ Chill and um, Chill Tees. Word up. Thank you all for tuning in. All right, peace.